Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warmer for the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a tremendous podcast for you. We're going to be joined in segment number two by Charlie DeCirco. He does great work over at Action Network taking a look at my favorite two sports, college basketball and baseball. We're going to be talking about some teams that in general, now that we have reached sort of that third of the way point through the season that have been profiting for him, what he's taking a look at in terms of a few candidates for some regression slash positive progression as well. And then we're going to be diving into the games for Wednesday with them in segment number two. In the final segment, we're going to get you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one or two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, Larry ZM, name does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. The other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did get a question as to if you can bet series prices on any of these books. And most books in Las Vegas do not offer them. I know that a lot of the East Coast books like FanDuel, DraftKings, they do. It's personally something I've never really looked into because I am a game-to-game better. I would hate to have a series price, have a pitcher like get injured in the second inning of game number one of the series, and then the bullpen from there gets thrown for a loop. You get a scratch starter that you thought was going to be going. You go from a good matchup to a bad matchup. So it's never anything that I've really taken a look at. But absolutely, there are quite a few books out there where you are able to bet on the series in general. So there is that aspect of it. So you are able to fire it on those. Mostly if you're out there on the East Coast, West Coast, it's going to be a little bit more difficult. So... Hopefully that clears that up for you. Now let's take a look at everything that we did get in the MOB on Tuesday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game from yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. Adrian Ozer looked more like Doogie Ozer. The Milwaukee Brewers fall to the Toronto Blue Jays by a count of 72 for Ozer. Four and a third innings, he gives up seven runs, six of which were earned. The bullpen from there wasn't bad. Bryce Wilson, five outs out of the bullpen, scoreless. Obi Milner, along with Jay Cousins, 
I'll give a scroll a setting, and William Contreras got the Brewers on the board early. Sixth home run season off of Yusei Kikuchi, but after giving up that home run, Kikuchi relatively solid, giving up two runs over the course of five innings. From there, Nate Pearson, two scoreless innings. Adam Simber, Tim Mesa, they combined for a scoreless inning, and Yibi Garcia was able to clean one up. He was able to get a scoreless inning of his own. You saw the Cleveland Guardians fall to the Baltimore Orioles by a count of 8-5 to five as the Guardians were 22-3 and three over the course of a 25-start span for Cal Quantrill. They're now 0-3 in his last three, and Quantrill got destroyed. Eight runs surrendered over the course of four and a third innings. The bullpen from there was good. James Karinczak, Sam Antiges, Emmanuel Classe, a scoreless setting, Eli Morgan, pair of outside of the bullpen. Damage had been done, though, as for Baltimore, Kyle Gibson held down the fork, giving up three runs over the course of five and two-thirds innings. Brian Baker did give up. Two runs over the course of a third of an inning. Danny Columbia and Yunir Cano, though. They stemmed the tie. Two scoreless innings and Felix Batista. Scoreless setting for his 14th save of the season. And really not much deep ball action going on in this one. As for the Baltimore Orioles, just really good small ball. Both of these teams had a combined 11 hits apiece. So that was very much just a death by a million cut situation for both pitchers. The New York Mets, they were the only ones doing damage on Tuesday. They take down the Philadelphia Phillies by a count of 2 to 0. As for the Phillies, they left one man on base and they got two total hits. Kodai Senga, very good start. Nine punch outs, gives up one hit over the course of seven scoreless settings. David Robertson, Adam Montevino, scoreless settings from there. And Francisco Lindor goes deep off of Ranger Suarez. Tenth home run season. Better start for Suarez. Gives up two runs over the course of six and two thirds innings. First time completing. More than five innings all season long. And first time giving up fewer than three runs all season long. Connor Brogdon and out of the bullpen and Junior Marte, a scoreless inning. But can't win you if you can't score. And the Phillies, they did not score. You saw the Texas Rangers take it to the Detroit Tigers by a count of 10-6. As just all offense for this Texas bunch. As they did have Martin Perez give another bad start. Six runs surrendered and four and two-thirds innings. Including a pair of home runs for Detroit. You had a home run number six of the season. For Jason Rogers, and he had home run number two of the campaign for Andy Abanez, but Alex Fajardo, well, he was a big Fado as he gave up six runs over the course of four and a third innings. Jose Cicerno gives up a run in two thirds inning, and then you had a pair of guys in Tyler Holton and Braden Bistro both land a pair of innings. Holton gives up two runs, including a homer. Bistro an unearned run as for Texas going deep. Josh Young, 12th home run season, and the bullpen for the Rangers, which as the worst ERA in the big leagues over the last three days. They held it down. Will Smith got jiggy with it. Squirrel setting. Cole Reagans. Pair of outs out of the bullpen. And Grant Anderson. MLB debut. Two and two-thirds inning scoreless. Getting seven out of his eight outs as strikeouts. So he was rather impressive. The San Diego Padres. They take it to the Miami Marlins 9-4. to As they bust out for five runs in the ninth inning. As they were able to be the beneficiaries of three errors by the Miami Marlins. As Ryan Weathers did not necessarily give the world's greatest start, giving up three runs over the course of four innings. Going deep for the Miami Marlins, Brian David Cruz, his seventh home run season, but the Padres, a sub-two bullpen ERA over the last three days. They held it down. Domingo Tapia gives up a run in an inning, but Tim Hill, Stephen Wilson, Nick Martinez, Brent Honeywell, all blend a scoreless setting. And for the Padres, they entered in this game hitting a buck 85 with men in scoring position, six of 16 with runners in scoring position. In this one at Sandy Alcantara, Gives up four runs in six and a third innings. It's really been the late innings that have been costly for him as 
He had given up two runs over the course of six innings. They trotted him out there again, and then he got shelled. Meanwhile, Tanner Scott, he gives up nothing in his inning of work. You had J.T. Charcois, Andrew Nardi, both combined for a squirrel setting before Dylan Floro. Allows five runs, three of which were earned without getting a single out before Brian Hoying had to clean up the mess. So that was not too terrific for the Miami Marlins, who are currently 28-27 and 27 with a run differential of negative 48. That's something that you do want to be watching out for. I have to do this a little bit in advance. The Greg Peterson experience, it is from midnight Eastern to 3. If you're out there on the West Coast, that would be 9 to midnight. So I have to do this before the West Coast games are finalized and a little bit of cleanup for Monday because we did have a West Coast game or two that was going down there. You did see the LA Dodgers take down the Washington Nationals on Monday by a count of 6 of 4 as all 6 runs for the Dodgers came in the 5th inning as it was a very, very rough start for Trevor Williams. 6 unearned runs surrender. He should have been out of the inning. C.J. Abrams commits a fielding error and then from there the floodgates open as J.D. Martinez was able to get a three-run homer, his 11th home run season on Bobby Miller. Six innings, gives up a one-run. Victor Gonzalez, Justin Brule, Shelby Miller from there. All end a scoreless setting for the Nationals. You did have Thaddeus Ward give two scoreless settings to Erasmo Ramirez. in scoreless setting, and then the Yankees took down the Seattle Mariners by a count of 10-4 to with Domingo Ramon giving up four runs in six and a third innings, including a home run to Julio Rodriguez, 10th home run season. But Bryce Miller, who entered into this start with a sub-two ERA, he left it with a three ERA, giving up eight runs and four two-thirds innings, including a pair of homers. As Aaron Judge went deep twice, his 16th and 17th home runs of the season, Jake Bowers got his third as well as one of those Judge home runs, came off of Juan Ten, who gave up one solo home run over the course of two and a third innings. Chris Flexen, he gave up a run in two innings as well as for the Yankees' bullpen. Ron Madanaccio, pair of the bullpen, Albert Abreu, two scoreless innings as well. And, and as I'm doing this, just got started with the New York Yankees. They put up a three spot in the first inning, so they're already off and running in that one. The Cincinnati Reds are getting set to wrap this one up against the Boston Red Sox, up 9-3 to three in the bottom of the ninth inning as Ben Lively. Another really good start from him. Five and two-thirds inning scoreless. Don't know how long he's going to be able to keep it up, but I mean, so far so good. You saw Alex Young getting out of the bullpen. Fernando Cruz did give up three runs over the course of an inning before Buck Farmer was able to lend a scoreless inning, and Eduardo Salazar is in to be able to polish that off. And for the Reds, I can't believe that this happened, but they went 1 of 15 with men in scoring position and scored 9 runs. Can't remember the last time I've seen that on one home run, as that one home run, Jose Barreto, he was able to get his second home run in the campaign. That was a grand slam. Their one hit with men in scoring position, as Brian Mayo, he gave up one run over the course of four innings. From there, Justin Garza gives up two runs, one of which was earned at one and two-thirds innings, and Yuli Rodriguez gave up that grand slam. It's a five runs at two-thirds of an inning before you have to bring in the Sheriff, Ryan Sheriff, to come on for the final two and two-thirds innings, giving up one run as five of those runs for the Reds came in the seventh inning. So floodgates certainly open there. Currently, the Chicago Cubs are up going into the ninth inning against the Tampa Bay Rays. As for the Rays, yeah, Jay McClanahan only last five and two-thirds innings. He did give up a... Home run this one as Nico Horner was able to get his fourth home run season. And the professor, Kyle Hendricks, wiggled out of a lot of danger. He went five innings. He gave up just one run as he gave up some walks, gave up some hits. But right now the Rays just 2 of 10 with men in scoring position. And they're looking to get this thing to the ninth inning down just 2 to 1 as the Cubs. They're currently up to bat as the Astros. They're currently up 5 to 1 on the Minnesota Twins. As for the Twins, this has not been ideal for their offense. And... 
This was not ideal for Joe Ryan, giving up five runs over the course of four innings, including a pair of home runs. Alex Bregman, seventh home run season. Chaz McCormick, his fourth. Brandon Belock, five and a third innings, giving up just one run with Phil Meaton coming in for four outs out of the bullpen. Scoreless, so we shall see what happens there. Braves and A's, along with the Rockies and the D-backs, just getting started along with Pirates, Giants, Nationals, Dodgers. So we've got some cleanup on the podcast, and DK Nation write a pick. Hopefully we can get a comeback, but right now it's looking rough. The White Sox up by a count of 7-3 going into the 7th inning as my right to pick was on the Angels' money line, and they were up by a count of 3-1, to one, and then a 5 spot from the White Sox in the 4th inning really put the kibosh on that as Lucas Giolito gave up 3 runs in 5 innings, including a pair of homers going deep for the Angels. You had Taylor Ward get his 5th home run season, Joy Otani his 13th, and for Tyler Anderson... Gives up six runs in four innings as it was just death by a million cuts with him and a lot of mental mistakes. And then you had Rami Gonzalez get home run number three of the season and his third home run in the last four games off of Chase Silseth, who thus far has went two innings, giving up one run. So right now that is in rough shape, but we have seen crazier comebacks in baseball thus far this season. And what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now is that bookmakers are doing a heck of a job setting these totals. 393 overs to 388 unders as far as the season. So, overs are hitting at about 50.3% as far as the season. Meanwhile, favorites overall for the season, 467 and 342 with having 126 favorites be unable to cover the run line when they have cash on the money line. And if you take a look at the last 30 days, been very rough for favorites. 209 and 181 straight up with uh, these 209 favorites. 61 of them being unable to cover the run line. And in this time span, 189 overs to 189 unders. And over the last seven days, it's been relatively equal as well. 48 overs to 45 unders with favorites in this time span going just 50 and 46 with 17 of these favorites being unable to cover the run line. So that's what we're seeing in Major League Baseball right now. And that's what we all got in the MLB on Tuesday. Now let's turn it forward to Wednesday with our good friend Charlie DeCircle. He does great work over at Action Network. Going to be talking with him about the games for Wednesday, some of the teams that have been able to turn them a profit thus far this season, and so much more right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the VEASAN Family Podcast. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. 
I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Peace and Family Podcast. It is great to be joined by this man as Charlie DeCirco does absolutely tremendous work over at Action Network. You guys know me. I love two real main sports throughout the season, college basketball and baseball. Guess what? Charlie does a great job. On both of those fronts, as he's done an amazing job joining me on this show, along with my decent show, The Great Peterson Experience, being able to break down this great game that we all know and love. And you're able to follow him on Twitter at his first and last name, Charlie DeCircle. That last name is spelled D-I-S-T-U-R-C-O. And Charlie, it's great to have you aboard. Thank you. Yes, Greg. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to hop on here and talk some baseball. And we're picking a good time. You know, May, Memorial Day just happened. So now we're getting into the thick of things in June. Yes, we certainly are, and Charlie, we are just past Memorial Day, so now these teams, they've played a little bit more than 50 games. I think now it's fair to say that if a team got off to a hot start, it's more than just because they had like one or two series against sucky teams or something like that. Now we've got a big <laughs> enough sample size where it's not as fluky, and what have been some of your big takeaways as far as the season, whether it be maybe a certain type of bet or something that's been working for you, or maybe some pitchers slash teams that you've been looking to backslash fade. 
Yeah. I mean, it's super interesting because obviously you mentioned the bigger sample size, you can kind of get a better look at how things are kind of shaking out. And I think one of the teams that I've found success in backing early on is the Minnesota Twins. Uh, they're, they're 28, 26. They have a relatively strong hold on that central division. And I think a lot of it has to do with the Cleveland bats just not really coming to fruition. They're contacting team that relies on batting average on balls in play. And that doesn't come full circle versus the Twins. They have a Really good lineup. Joey Gallo has taken that step forward that we weren't really sure if he could do that, given his last year in New York and then L.A. But the Twins, you get them usually around that like plus money or short favorites most of the time. So they've been a team that I've been loving the back. And then another team that I've been following along as far as their trends go and been able to profit off of is the Cincinnati Reds. They're only 24 and 29, but five games under 500. They've been a lot better as of late. They're almost an underdog every single time. And in that plus 150 to 200 range, that offense is really something else. And if it wasn't for that starting pitching, I mean, we could be having a conversation that they're the second best team in the Central at this point, given St. Louis's starting pitching has also been just as horrid. But Cincinnati is a team to watch, especially on the next couple of months. They're going to bring up Ali De La Cruz, who's the talk of the town as far as prospects go. Yeah, those are just two teams. I mean, it's very interesting. San Diego should turn it around, right? We think. We've been saying that for a month and a half now with how bad they've been in runs for scoring position. But those are just three teams. I mean, Padres, I think, will turn it around. But two teams that I've loved to kind of back here in the early going. And I do think that it is interesting to take a look at the Padres, who they on Wednesday are going to be taking on the Miami Marlins at are a minus 115 favorite. And these are two teams that they should be seeing relative regression the opposite way with the San Diego Padres. I always like to call it positive progression with them because, <laughs> as you mentioned, they're hitting below 200 with runners in scoring position, and they'd be the first team in MLB history to do that. I'm going to put my money and say that that is going to be trending northward just a yeah. little bit as the season goes along. And for the Miami Marlins, we're doing this before their Tuesday game one final, 28-26 and 26 with a run differential of negative 41. As we both know, trying to maintain a winning record with a negative 41 <laughs> run differential through 50-some-odd games, that's probably not going to be happening. How do you take a look at teams like this, Miami, in my opinion, getting a little bit lucky, and San Diego being a little bit unlucky? Because you have a feeling that both things are going to be trending in different directions, but the question becomes when. Right. I mean, I think it's just a game-by-game basis. You look at pitching matchups, like I don't know how the game's turning out right now, but they're currently playing each other as we speak, and I'm on the Padres money line as an underdog against Andy Alcantara, and I think that this is a good spot where we'll find the Padres at relatively short favorite or an underdog number against the Marlins who have been overrated, and I think that that's really where you want to attack where – Miami might be getting a little bit overvalued in the market and San Diego undervalued. So you want to find the spots. Obviously, you want to look into pitching matchups, but you're expecting one Miami to lose these one run games. What they were 12 and 0 to start the season in one run games. And Padres, you mentioned they're setting historic numbers for how bad they are at runners in scoring position game by game basis. But it's very interesting. There are two teams that one you want to fade and one you want to back as the season goes along. I'm not too worried about San Diego. Their offense is spectacular. And Miami, you know, they're just perfectly average, I'd say. So benefited from these one-run luck games, but definitely a team to likely fade as things go on, most likely on the full game money lines as opposed to first five because their pitching is pretty impressive. To your point about the Miami Marlins, 15-4 and four entering into Tuesday one-run games. No other team in the league has won more than 11 one-run games. So oh. that is, yeah, that really does stand out to me. And to your point, they're currently number two in the NL East. If they continue to play this way and they continue to rely upon these one-run games, I do certainly think that the Mets 
and the Philadelphia Phillies are going to be passing them up. So that's something that is on my radar. It's joining me on the show. We do have Charlie DeCirco. He does absolutely tremendous work over at Action Network. And I want to get your thoughts on this game because I think that this game is much better priced than the first two games in the series. I'm talking about the LA Angels versus Chicago White Sox series. Lance Lynn is going to be on the bump for the White Sox. I may, but he, uh, he's on the bump for the LA Angels right now with the Angels. Find them anywhere between plus 115 to a plus 125. And I have a little bit of a lean to the LA Angels here, but I think it's much more fair than what we saw in the first two games of the series. I'm not sure what your thoughts were, but seeing the Angels as as big of an underdog as we did on Monday and Tuesday was a little bit striking to me. And it tells me that bookmakers and the market in general just it feels like they're way too high on the Chicago White Sox. I'm not sure how you feel about the White Sox, how the pricing has been throughout the series, but it feels like there's still way too much respect for a White Sox team that, honestly, I think is not very good. Yeah, you know, it's a give and take with them. It's very interesting and a very hard team to gauge, I think, throughout the season, right? Because you're looking at their starting pitching. They're about average. You look at their relief their bullpen hasn't been good and their offense you would expect to have been great and they haven't been. I agree with you. I think that the angels are a pretty interesting look, especially at this like plus plus one fifteen to one twenty five number. There's a bunch in the market and given the matchup with Lance Lynn and I don't know your thoughts, Greg, but Lance Lynn, I'm a bit curious on if the pitch clock is kind of factored into his struggles this year because he's totally flipped the switch from last season. His expected ERA is near five. His expected slugging is a career worst 454. The previous was sub 400 expected slugging. His barrel rate is up nearly two and a half percent from last year. And just if you look at his numbers, he's been hit hard multiple times. His control has kind of been out of hand a bit. He gave up five walks last start out to the Tigers. So it's very interesting to really break down Lance Lynn and why I kind of lean toward the Angels and agree with you is that maybe he's just struggling with the pitch clock. And and obviously this doesn't have to do with the previous two games, but in this game in particular, where you're getting a plus money team that will probably rely on a bullpen game, maybe Berea will go, you know, a a handful of innings as he's done in the past. But it's very interesting to look at at this roster. If he's struggling with the pitch clock, the the Angels are a patient team and an underrated one, frankly. I have been on them to make the playoffs before the season and think that they really are a very solid all-around team, especially with Estevez in the back end closing games out. I don't necessarily disagree with you on the pitch clock, but I think with Lance Lynn, it goes back to something I saw last year with him. First two months of the year that Lance Lynn came off the injured list, he was absolutely terrible. And then from there, he was able to really pick it up, looked much more like a solid pitcher. I do think that there are guys that are just notorious slow starters, like Alex Bregman, for instance, of the Houston Astros. I just always mm-hmm. bank on him being terrible the first few months of the <laughs> season. And then towards back out of the season, he's able to pick it up. Even Zach Wheeler, to a little bit of a less extent, he always has like a relatively bad first month of the season mm-hmm. for the Philadelphia Phillies. And then he rounds into form. I don't know if that's something that you take a look at, but that's something that I really do use for guys like Lance Lynn because I just recall the last few years, he sort of had these struggles towards the beginning part of the season. And then towards back half, it was much better. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's a give and take with him. Lance Lynn last year came back from injury, which is why I kind of chalk up that first half of the year to being why he struggled. And then the second half, why he dominated. He obviously came back from injury in the middle of the year and and struggled tremendously and then kicked things into high gear. It's it's a very interesting topic because he is getting up there in age. And he is struggling a lot this year again. The lack of command that he's had, which is his highest walk race since 2018, it makes me think that maybe he's uncomfortable with the pitch clock and working so fast. Uh, he's a heavier set guy, obviously. Anthony DeMundo at the Action Network has also pointed toward this with Alec Manoa. Two guys, Manoa also starting tomorrow, that have struggled tremendously in the early going of the season. And I'm not so sure 
maybe it has to do with the pitch clock. Maybe it's a combination of slow start into getting into high gear. And last year, I kind of chalked it up to it being spring training, I guess, in the earliest part of the season when he returned. But I'm a bit concerned. He's not generating as many chases out of the zone. His fastball is in the low 90s. So when you're not really commanding your other pitches and you have to rely on your hard stuff, that usually does not bode well. And I think that Lance Lynn is one of those guys that's kind of fallen into that category of, you know, if he's not locating his off speed and he's a bit, he's falling behind in counts given his lack of command this season compared to last, then maybe it's a, a bit of a concern. Because even last year, his command wasn't as big of an issue in the first half of the year. It was the fact that he was just getting slaughtered. And I don't think that that's a world's first look on taking a look at some of these pitchers that maybe they could use a little bit of a diet to say the least. And I'm really looking at you, Alec Manoa, because I think that that's a good call there. And I do think that that is something that maybe I should be taking a look at a little bit more because I think to your point, we have seen a lot of these huskier guys struggling a little bit. I wonder how Bartolo Colon would be pitching with a pitch clock to say the least. That'd be very entertaining. This late least, but I do think that there might be something to that. We do have Charlie DeCirco, does great work over at Action Network, joining me on the show. And Charlie, I want to take a look at this game because it's the Yankees versus the Seattle Mariners. And I know that George Kirby has been pretty awesome this year, but I look at this total of seven and a half, even with it being in Seattle, it just feels too low to me, especially with Clark Schmidt on the mound for the Yankees. So that's been better recently, but. Not sure what your thoughts are, but I've been gauging this Yankee team so different with Aaron Judge in the fold rather than out of the fold. And I think that this game really encapsulates just how much one player can mean to the lineup because the Seattle Mariners themselves have been able to ignite their offense a little bit. And it's all tied to the fact that Ulya Rodriguez, who was just terrible to start off the year, has really been able to pick it up in recent weeks. And with him being able to pick it up, so has this Mariners lineup. Yeah, you know, the Seattle Mariners have been a team that has really just confused me all season long. I do think that one player completely changes an offense, and Aaron Judge completely lit a fire under the Yankees' butts to when he returned. Like, the, the, the offense is a completely different beast. Obviously, if you pitch around him, then you're putting a runner on base, and the move of moving Glaber Torres up to leadoff has really paid dividends for the Yankees. It, it's, it's an interesting look. You know, I'm very high on George Kirby. So that's like where I kind of like give him pull. And I tend to think Clark Schmidt is going to be back to what we saw last year, which is a mid three expected ERA guy. So given his struggles this season, I'm a bit nervous. Obviously, he's been hit extremely hard. And you look at George Kirby, he doesn't strike out that many batters, which is obviously a negative to have, especially when if you walk Aaron Judge and all of a sudden you can't really get Rizzo or LeMahieu or whoever follows suit to get him out. The total seems a bit low at seven and a half, especially given the Yankees' bullpen struggles at times throughout the entire season. It feels like they really don't have an answer. Like, Wandy Peralta's probably their best option, and Clay Holmes, you're Jekyll and Hyde with him. I have no feel for as far as the total in this matchup. I tend to think Clark Schmidt's going to bounce back eventually, but the way that he's been hit so hard, and given Julio Rodriguez's complete breakout the last two weeks, does give me pause as far as taking a side or a total in this. And I don't hate the overlook in this matchup, especially considering, you know, if you get a 3-3 game or then you start getting into the bullpens and you get Kirby out early, if you if you make him walk ladders because he doesn't really generate that many things and misses, then it gets really dicey. So don't hate the look. I just, you know, don't have a feel altogether for these two pitchers right now. I tend to be high on them, but they've been, you know, a bit hit or miss. To your point about the Yankees as well, bullpen has been struggling a little bit since Ian Hamilton went on the injured list. I feel like that was a little bit of an under-the-radar injury that happened that is affecting them a little bit. And, Charlie, we do have a good slate of baseball for Wednesday. We do have two teams off, but you know what? 14 games on a Wednesday, we'll certainly take that anytime. 
were able to get it. Is there anything that you're really taking a look at on the board that we haven't talked about, whether it be a pitcher slash team that you're looking to back, or maybe it's not even a bet that you're going to be placing, but you're curious on a team, you're curious on a pitcher, you want to kick back and just try to gauge them a little bit more before placing a few bets on slash against them during the summertime? Yeah, you know, actually a guy that is on my radar to fade. And I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet because the Orioles are still trying to figure out their starter. I believe it's Austin Voth, but Shane Bieber takes the mound for the Cleveland Guardians. And if you've listened to any Action Network podcast, it feels like we're all all on repeat and together in this fade format of Shane Bieber. There's a lot of concern with this guy. And, you know, you look at him, Cy Young 2020, a 41 strikeout rate, a sub 200 expected batting average. And year over year, we've seen a dip in velocity and his stuff does not fully come back, right? From 2020 to 2021, his strikeout rate dropped 8% to 33 The year after that, 25%. The year after that, right now, 16.8% strikeout rate. His walk rate, up. His expected year rate, near 5. His hard hit rate, 50%. I can go on about how Shane Bieber has really struggled, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that his fastball just doesn't have the same flair that it has. It's now sits in the low 90 to 92 range as opposed to that mid-90s. And because of that, he's getting hit hard. He's expected batting average near 300, expected second for 50. Not totally sure where I'm going to go with this aspect, but I think it's very interesting. And whether or not you have a side or total to really look at this guy as he pitches throughout the month of June or end of May and see. Maybe I'll end up on a team total, maybe a couple props. But I am concerned about him. He's in the bottom 10% of all pitchers in hard hit rate and expected batting average and fastball velocity. So definitely a guy that, you know, you look at and you think, oh, Shane Bieber, Cy Young, he's great. No, think again. He's, he's kind of struggling, even though the numbers don't indicate it. Yep, and I will say this number does indicate it as well. 304 ERA, but a 403 fielding independent. He had 14.2 strikeouts per nine innings in 2020. That has been cut in over half to 6.2 mm-hmm. strikeouts per nine innings. We are in locks up there. Not sure if it is awesome both, if I'm necessarily going to be able to bet again Shane Bieber in that spot, but that certainly is something that is on my radar as well. I've had to downgrade him quite a bit. I know that one of your guys, Zane Dunning, is going to be taking the mound as well. We shall see who the Tigers are throwing out there. If it is Joey Wentz, probably will be taking a look at setting the Texas Rangers as quite a hefty favorite (laughs) there. And a big favorite of mine is you, Charlie. You do absolutely amazing work over at Action Network taking a look at all things baseball. I know that you do a great job over on the college basketball side of things as well. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter and the Action app at Charlie Disturco. Obviously, that's what Greg just said. Uh, you know, college basketball, baseball are my two sports. So I'll be breaking down the games every single day. Um, most of my picks are in the Action Network app, if not on Twitter. So follow along. It's been an interesting May. It was a great April. Uh, so, you know, it's a roller coaster as baseball always is. And just excited for it to turn June and, and really to get into the thick of things with no other sport really on. Yep, absolutely. I will say WNBA is going to be in full force as well. I personally don't do a lot with regards to WNBA, but yep, it does get a little bit more dry during the summer months. Charlie does an amazing job of being able to heat up the MOB action, though. He does a tremendous job. Take a look at the sport that we all know and love it every single time he joins this podcast, along with the Greg Peterson experience, always lends tremendous insight. So a big thanks to Charlie for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family of Podcasts. And coming up next, it is that time the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. 
I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. 
I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Remember back here, love you, Las Vegas. For the Baseball Betting Show, with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beast of Family Podcast. It is always a pleasure to get Charlie DeCirco aboard. He does amazing work over at Action Network, taking a look at the two main sports that I do. Baseball, long college basketball. Whenever he joins this podcast, always does a great job looking at the card lending tremendous insights, and just informing us a little bit more about the game that we all know and love. So, big thanks to Charlie for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Wednesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We are going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, let's dive in on this first game of 951-952 on the betting board. It is the Pittsburgh Pirates, and they walk the plank to hit the road to face off against the San Francisco Giants. As Alex Wood is going to be on the bump for the Giants, and Mitch Keller is on the bump for the Buccos. And the Pirates, in between plus 105 to plus 115 underdogs, and between minus 125 to minus 130, seeing straight minus 123, your price on San Francisco. 7.5 to 8 is the total on the 8 over and under anywhere between minus 105 to minus 115 on the 8.5. The under is minus 125 and the over is plus 105 and set my total is 7.6. I'm going to be taking a look at this total under the Pittsburgh Pirates. Four runs or fewer in 20 out of their last 24 games going into yesterday. Three runs or fewer in 18 of them. Just has been rough for them to say the least in the month of May. This has been one of the lightest hitting teams in the big leagues as so many guys like Topico Americano, Connor Joe, guys like this that start out the year so on. They have completely cooled down, entering into yesterday, hitting a 218 overall for the month now. Jack Swinisky has been able to give you a little bit of power, 11 home runs thus far this season. He entered into yesterday with 11 home runs, and you still do have someone like a Brian Reynolds moving the line. He's been able to above a 270 thus far this season. Andrew McCutcheon has been able to give you eight home runs. He does a solid job with a 350 on base, but in mean, the offense, you can tell that they're missing O'Neill Cruz right now. It has went very far downhill, and now they're having to play at Oracle Park, which is very much a pitcher's park. And we see that with regards to the San Francisco Giants numbers as well, which is why I did semi-total more around to 7.8. That's why I'm going to be taking a look at the total unders. For the San Francisco Giants, they are number three in the big leagues in terms of home runs per game on the road with 1.7. They entered into yesterday hitting just 1.1 home runs per game at home. And you've got really good balance when it comes to this entire lineup. As for the San Francisco Giants, Michael Conforto has been able to give you a double-figure amount of homers. But once all said and done, I do think that you could have some plus guys that do pound out 
20-plus home runs for this team. As behind him, you've got six different guys with between six and nine home runs. J.D. Davis is one of them. He and Lamonte Wade Jr. Both in between about a 268 to a 278, 410 on base. When it comes to Lamonte Wade Jr., you get Mike Kuzerumski back in the fold. That's big for them. And for the San Francisco Giants, we have seen a complete reversal in terms of this bullpen. This bullpen was absolutely terrible. To begin the season, they were the worst in the National League for the first month and a half of the season. Over the last three days, the only team with a better bullpen ERA than the San Francisco Giants is the San Diego Padres. They're the only two teams in the big leagues with a sub-three bullpen ERA in this time span. Meanwhile, for the Pittsburgh Pirates, they've done a solid job with their bullpen. They're right around 8th to ninth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. Now, it has been in the bottom 10 over the last three days, but still, David Benar has been able to do a good job. You've had Jose Hernandez be able to give you some good innings. Dory Barretta, he continues to perform. And then on the flip side for the San Francisco Giants, it's been Camilio Duvall along Tyler Rogers, who have been the main fulcrum pieces for the team. But even yesterday's opener and John Brebbia has been able to pick it up. So I do like what I'm seeing there. So I did set my total more around actually at 7.6. So I'm going to be taking a look at the under in this spot with Mitch Keller as well. You take a look at what he's been able to do. And he's been very good. He has been able to give two runs or fewer surrendered in four out of his last five starts. 301 ERA overall for the season. Does struggle a little bit more on the road with a 379 ERA compared to more around a 218 at home, but he's been able to get right around 11 strikeouts per nine innings, giving up less than a home run per nine innings, and has really worked on the walks as well. Barely above 2.2 walks per nine innings. For Alex Wood, it's been a little bit up and down for him, but was finally able to give some good length in his last start against the Milwaukee Brewers. First time he exceeded five innings all season long as he was dealing with an injury towards the beginning part of the season. And just take a look at him last year. His fielding independent was nearly a point better than his ERA overall this season. He's got a 351 ERA, giving up three home runs at 25 and two-thirds innings. Walks have been an issue, but he's able to get nine strikeouts for nine innings. I do think that he's going to be able to keep the Pittsburgh Pirates at bay. Did some, I told at 7.6, so taking a look at this total of eight under. And when it comes to the San Francisco Giants, I'm at a minus 136. I think that they continue to keep the buckos at bay. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Giants on the money line and this eight under. 953-954 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals and third face off against the LA Dodgers. Noah Thor Syndergaard is going to be going for the Dodgers and Patrick Corbin is on the bump for Washington. Nine and a half is the total. The over and the under are both at minus 110 with the Dodgers. You're going to be finding them anywhere between a minus 230 to minus 250. Meanwhile, with the Nats, you're going to be finding them anywhere between plus $2 and seeing as high as a plus 210. If you are taking a look at that run line of the Dodgers, you're finding that right around a minus 125 and Personally, at these numbers, I'm going to need to see if we can get a little bit more value on the Nationals. I'm willing to back them more around a plus 215 or so, so we do need about a 5 to 10 cent move on the Washington Nationals as I can only set the Dodgers' money line at a minus 216, and I can only lay up to a minus 115 on the run line because even though the L.A. Dodgers have been able to win so many games by two-plus runs over the last few seasons, this is a bullpen that... That's for Grody to say the least thus far this season. They've had to throw Wander. I swear, oh, this guy sucks for innings thus far this year. They entered into yesterday, 25th in the league in terms of bullpen right Now, the Washington Nationals not too much better at 22nd in the league in terms of bullpen right You do have a couple more trustworthy pieces for the Dodgers bullpen. Broussard Gratterall, Victor Gonzalez, Caleb Ferguson, all with a tub, sub-275. Meanwhile, with the Washington Nationals, Carboard Jr. has been saw, but when you get in guys like Erasmo Ramirez and company, not great, but really both of these bullpens have been rough. And I mean, among both of these starters, 
Patrick Corbin actually has a lower ERA. Noah Thor Syndergaard just has not been good this year. He's got a 6.27 ERA. He has given up at least three runs in both of his last two starts on the road. Now, I will say, he has been able to do a much better job at home rather than on the road. For Thor Syndergaard, 3.62 home ERA, 9.90 ERA on the road. He's giving up one home run per nine innings. At home, on the road, this is more around 1.7 to 1.8 home runs per nine innings, but swing and miss stuff, so it's not come back from six half strikeouts per nine innings. And for Patrick Corbin, I am waiting for him to get little blaze a little bit because his strikeout numbers are absolutely terrible. He's getting right around six strikeouts per nine innings, but the command has been good. Right around two walks per nine innings. He is giving up our contact as he's allowed nine home runs in 62 and two-thirds innings. And on the road, he is posting up a 579 ERA, giving up five home runs in 23 and a third innings. Not ideal day if you go up against a Dodgers team that is second in the National League in terms of home runs on a per-game basis as you've got J.D. Martinez and Mookie Betts entering into yesterday with 11 bombs apiece with Martinez and 275 Mookie Betts, 356 on base. And it is interesting to take a look at the way that this LA Dodgers offense is just functioning in general because with the Dodgers, they're number three in the big leagues in terms of home runs per game. They've been able to do a rock-solid job of being able to just put runs in general up on the board as they're right now leading the National League in runs per game. They entered into yesterday with 5.7 runs per game at home, but the batting average for the LA Dodgers is not what you'd expect it to be as they entered into yesterday hovering in that neighborhood about 22nd in the league in terms of batting average. It's just that they draw so many walks. Someone like a Max Muncy, for example, a 2.8 batting average, but 3.40 on base. I know that he's been dealing with injury. Should probably be back for this game, but and it's something that you do want to be noting, but and you've got a lot of other examples of this. Someone like a Miguel Vargas hitting a 225 but a 328 on base. James Outman, 238 average, 325 on base. The Dodgers team just knows how to move the line, and the Washington Nationals are the complete opposite. They are dead last in the National League in terms of home runs, but they are also number one in the league in terms of fewest strikeouts per game, and they are actually towards the top of the National League in terms of batting averages. You've had so many guys like Joey Manessas, Eliermo Vargas, Riley Adams, throwing their Joey Manessas, Victor Robles, all these guys being able to hit north of a 290 for the seam lane. Thomas, he's able to hit about a 285, eight home runs. Team doesn't necessarily draw a lot of walks, but they do a good job just finding pitches hit, being able to move the line in general. And with this LA Dodgers team, I do think that they are going to continue to get good production out of the likes of Freddie Freeman and company. They've been a little bit banged up, so it is a little bit of horse apiece situation. I certainly don't think we're going to get too many takers on the Washington Nationals, and if we get down to a minus 115 on the Dodgers run line, we'll be willing to bite there, but it's all said and done. I do think that I'm probably going to be getting north of a plus 215 on the Nationals, and that would be my buy point on them, and did so by total at a 9.8. I do think that the Dodgers are going to be able to light up Patrick Corbin, and I do think that for the Nats, they are going to be able to get to know Thor Syndergaard. So looking at the 9.5 over and a plus 215 or higher with Washington Nationals. 955-956 on the betting board. It is the San Diego Padres that they would face off against the Miami Marlins. Braxton Garrett is going to be on the bump for Miami. And Blake Snell is on the bump for the Padres. And the Padres between minus 112 to minus 120 favorites. Eddie between minus 105 to plus 107. Your number on Miami. 8.5 to 8 is the total on the 8.5. Unders between minus 115 to a minus 125. The over and between minus 105 to plus 105 on the 8. That over is between minus 120 to a minus 125. And that under is between even money and plus 105. Did semi-total is 7.8. I am going to be taking a look at the total under with Braxton Garrett. He's really been the victim of just one terrible start. He had a start against the Atlanta Braves where he gave up 11 runs in four and a third innings. 
In his other four starts thus far this month, he has given up seven runs. He has been able to go in those starts somewhere in the neighborhood of about 22 innings. So, I mean, you take that one terrible start out of the fold, and Braxton Garrett is posting up right around about a 250 or so ERA. He's done a good job being able to keep the ball in the yard outside of that start. As Inside that start, giving up less than a home run per nine innings, but that one start just really does throw things for a little bit of a monkey wrench, and he is backed up by a bullpen that, I mean, it's not great, it's not terrible. A.J. Puck being out of the fold is not necessarily amazing, but at the same time, it's a Miami Marlins team that is about 15th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. They've got Chi-Chi Charcois back in the fold. I think that that is very massive for that pen. You've also been able to have Uscar Brazobin, Dolan Floro be able to give you some solid innings. These guys can be a little bit up and down, but I do think that they're going to be able to supply some good innings. And on the flip side, for the San Diego Padres, you've got two teams with a bullpen ERA that is sub-3 over the last 30 days, and theirs is a sub-2. They have been by far the best bullpen in the big leagues over the last 30 days as these guys have been dominated. We all know about Josh Hader. He's able to do an absolutely amazing job with this bunch, but I mean, beyond Josh Hader, Luis Garcia was off to a terrible start to begin the season. He's got a sub-buck 50 ERA. Over the last 35 days, Stephen Wilson has been able to do a very good job for this team. You've gotten amazing innings out of someone like Tom Cosgrove. You just go down the list, and everyone for the San Diego Padres knows their role. You've got one issue, though, the fact that Blake Snell has just not been good this far this season, though. He is now pitching in a very pitcher-friendly ballpark, which I think is going to be big for him because you take a look at his head here with the Padres. He's always been relatively solid at home. He's always been rough on the road. This year, we've seen a reversal to that, though. 568 home area. 438 ERA on the road. He has been giving up right around 1.7 home runs per nine innings, but it's all about being able to keep the walks down with him. He's been giving up north of five walks per nine innings, still getting right around nine and a half strikeouts per nine innings. I do think that Sal is going to be able to lock in. We saw this with him last year where he got off to a rough start and then picked it up. Two runs are fierce surrendered and now three out of his last four starts. And it's going up against the Miami Marlins team that they're actually last in the National League in terms of runs per game. A good deodorant to this is the two top hitters that you do have with this Miami Marlins team as you've been able to get an amazing batting average out of Luis Reyes, still hitting right around 375, entering into yesterday, and then Ore Soler. 17 home runs as far this season. This guy is currently on an absolute terror. Eight home runs in the last 15 days going into yesterday. I mean, my goodness gracious, but I ain't past that. You don't have anyone else in the lineup that has given you north of six home runs because Jazz Chislam is currently on the injured list. And a lot of these home runs for Solaire, they're solo home runs because you've got so many guys towards the bottom of the fold, like Gene Segura, Peyton Butterick, Joey Wendell, guys like this. They're in below the Mendoza line of a 200 for the San Diego Padres. They're still hitting with runners in scoring position below the Mendoza line of a 200. I mean, it is just absolutely amazing what we've seen going into yesterday, hitting a buck 85 with runners in scoring position, and they're currently dealing with that injury to Manny Machado. That is not helping them out, though. Fernando Tatis Jr., along with Juan Soto, have done their part. Juan Soto hitting well above a 310 over the last three days, going into yesterday. Overall for the season, 422 on base with Fernando Tatis Jr., nine home runs in his first 142 at bats, hitting about a 250. You're going to be able to accept that, but bottom of the fold, I'm talking about the entirety of the catcher spot. Rudan Odor, Jake Cronenworth, Trent Grisham, these guys only get 215 or lower. That is a little bit of an issue. I do feel like Blake Sell is starting to come into his zone. And for Braxton Garrett, he's just really been victimized by the fact that that one bad start against the Atlanta Braves jacked up his numbers. So I'm going to be willing to trust in this total under. I personally set my total 
at some point, Adam. When it comes to the Padres, I do feel like they're the superior team. We're talking about Charlie Dirk Sturko. I think that we're finding goodbye points on them. I set the Padres at a minus 139, so riding with them on the money line and taking a look at this 8.5 under 957, 958 on the big board. It is the New York Mets. They play us to the Philadelphia Phillies. Aaron Noah. He looks to be super for the Phillies, and Carlos Cookie Carrasco is on the bump for the Mets. 8.5 is the total. The over is between minus 110 to a minus 115. The under is any between minus 105 to a minus 110. Phillies are between minus 120 to minus 125. Favorites between plus 105 and plus 115 is your number on the Mets. And with the Phillies, I did set them as a favorite of minus 130. I'm going to be one to trust in them for Carlos Carrasco. Looks significantly better in his last start, but this man is very long in the tooth, and I've got my question marks with him. A 6.75 ERA thus far this season has missed much of the campaign just due to injury in general. He's made two starts since coming back. It's when I combined 11 and two-thirds innings, giving up six runs, two home runs in that time span, and we are seeing the command start to drop off with him. Right around four walks per nine innings, typically, he's been able to do a good job of just making sure he's not giving up a lot of free passes, and the swing and miss stuff just isn't there anymore. 15 punch-outs over the course of 25 and a third innings going up against Aaron Nola, who, I mean, for his career, he's got an ERA that's nearly a point higher on the road than it is at home, and thus far this season, a 386 home ERA compared to a 502 ERA on the road. Has been very much victimized by hard contact, giving up 11 home runs in 68 and two-thirds innings. His swing and miss stuff is down as well, right around eight strikeouts per nine innings. Command is still there. He's giving up only about two walks per nine innings, and I mean, his fielding independent is better than his ERA of a 459, but certainly has been a rough go of it for him as well. But we are seeing the Philadelphia Phillies picking it up a little bit in terms of their bullpen as well, as this is a Phillies bullpen that overall for the season, they're right around league average in terms of their ERA, but you take a look at what they've been able to do over the last three days. They're more around 11th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, and it's been from unlikely sources as well, because Sir Anthony Dominguez along with Gregory Soto, both of these guys have posted up north of a four-year. Craig Kimbrell just should not be employed right now, but Connor Brogdon, Andrew Vasquez, both of these guys giving a sub-3-4 ERA. Jeff Hoffman being able to hold down the fort. This has been good for the team. Meanwhile, for the New York Metropolitans, bullpen ERA is 25th in the league over the last three days. As you got Jeff Brigham, who's been able to give you some solid innings. I like what I'm seeing out of David Robertson, Longtree Smith. Both of these guys have come in and have been able to hold down the fort for this team. Though Smith is ERA starting to approach four as well. But Adam Adovino, 4-6 ERA. Tommy Hunter, Dominic Leone. These guys are just not good. And for the Mets, they are very much relying upon Pete Alonso for the entirety of their offense. And he has been amazing. He's been able to supply 20 home runs thus far this season. And you do have a pair of guys that Jeff McNeil, along with Brandon Nimbo, north of a 370 on base. They move the line at the top of the full. But you just take a look at this glut of guys are in between about a 225 to 235. Daniel Vogelback, Mark Canha, Eduardo Escobar, Francisco Lindor, Tommy Pham on that fold. That's an issue. Now, what I do like for the team as well is a catcher in Francisco Alvarez. He overlies 15 days going into yesterday. 450 on base. He's been able to supply five home runs in that time span. He is really starting to be able to reach his full potential. Meanwhile, for the Philadelphia Phillies, they're doing a good job of getting on base. Not so much of being able to supply the deep ball as Kyle Schwarber, the only guy on the roster right now north of six home runs, entering into yesterday. But you got plenty of guys that are able to get on base. Bryson Sop, Bryce Harper, Nick Cassianos, all in north of a 290 for Harper. Only three home runs in his first 23 games back, but you know what? North of a four-arm base. So, 
finding a way to be able to get on for the scene. Move on to Sosa, Alec Bohm, JT Rumito, in between about 262, 270, and though Trey Turner had that big home run against the Arizona Diamondbacks, overall this year, he just has not been able to find it as well. So it's a little bit conflicting, but I do think that Aaron Nola is going to be able to pick it up. I feel like Aaron Nola has been getting a little bit unlucky with regards to our contact. That is going to be able to iron out, and I do also think that Carlos Carrasco is going to pitch a little bit better than he has towards the beginning part of the season, but certainly do have my issues with Carlos Cookie Carrasco, which is why I did make the Phillies a minus-130 favorite. I'm going to be willing to lay this short money line with them. Did something total at an 8.4 as well. This is a little bit of a pitcher-friendly ballpark in New York, so going to be taking a look at the 8.5 under to go along with the Phillies. I'm 59.960 on the bank board. It is the Colorado Rockies. They throw it face-off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Tommy Henry is going to be going for the Snakes, and got to Nelson Lamette making his first start of the season for the Colorado Rockies, and the Rockies are underdogs between plus 150 and plus 166. Meanwhile, you're finding anywhere between minus 170 and minus 190 price on the Arizona Diamondbacks, and is your total, the over and the under, anywhere between minus 105 to a minus 115. Recognize that these are two rough starters, but I did set my total at a 9.8. I'm going to be one to dive under, and I'm going to be trusting it to Nelson Lamette in this spot. I did set him as an underdog of a plus 157, need at least a plus 158, and with an Nelson Lamette, I just feel like his struggles towards the beginning part of the season are because he doesn't belong in the bullpen in general. To Nelson Lamette, when he's been given opportunities to start, he has always shined in that sort of spot, and there are just some guys that are wired to be starters, or some guys that are wired to be coming out of the bullpen, and it's just not the case for Lamette that he should be coming out of the bullpen. Now, I don't expect a lot of length when it comes to Nelson Lamette, as at the minor league level, he got three starts, only went a combined 10 and two-thirds innings. They've worked him up a little bit more, but I'd be surprised if he's going for much more than like 70, 75 pitches, something like that. But and he gave up one run in those 10 and two-thirds innings. Was able to get a little bit north of nine strikeouts for nine innings. His command was very good. So that is a very good sign for this bunch. And he goes up against someone in Tommy Henry that just frankly should not be this big of a favorite. I recognize that the Colorado Rockies always have their demonstrative home and road splits averaging well over five runs per game at home, more like 3.8 runs per game on the road. But I mean, with Tommy Henry, just been a big, giant roll of the dice with him in general as he has a ERA that honestly, at a 450, I expect it to be going northward because he is not getting any strikeouts whatsoever. He is sub five strikeouts Per nine innings, he's giving up well above three walks. Per nine innings as well. You take a look at fielding independent for our good friend and Mr. Henry, and it's more around a 584 compared to his 450 ERA. He's just not a very good pitcher in general. Six home runs, give it up at 34 innings. And for the Colorado Rockies, it is a offense that is brought of talent a little bit right now because C.J. Crone is currently on the full ball bias. He has been able to 335 for this bunch. You get back. In the fold, someone I like in Randall Gritchick, who has been well above a 300 in his limited amount of at-bats this season. Charlie Blackman, 370 on base. He's been able to move the line. Chris Bryant, not hitting for a lot of power, but he's been able to get on base as well. Obviously, a lot of these batting averages fall when they're on the road, but it's not like the Arizona Diamondbacks are necessarily backing to Nelson Lamette with the world's greatest bullpen as well. This is an Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen that... Coming into the day on Tuesday was right around 18th of the league in terms of bullpen rate. Recognized that the Colorado Rockies are 24th, but they're actually much improved with that regard. Brent Suter is supplying a sub-2 ERA. Brad Hand, along with Daniel Bard, both of these guys have been solid in the bullpen. Just really Pierce Johnson is jacking up this bullpen ERA because he is not trustworthy. And then on the flip side for the Arizona Diamondbacks, Jose Ruiz, north of a 6 ERA thus far this season. 
has not been terrific there. Deal with an injury to Joe Mantiply, like what I've seen out of Kyle Nelson, along with Miguel Castro, both of these guys being able to give you a sub-3 ERA. But for the Arizona Diamondbacks, they do a nice job of moving the line in terms of their home batting average. They're one of the best teams in the league, hitting about a 277 as a collective going into yesterday. But I do think that we're going to be seeing a little bit of regression with this lineup. If you take a look at expected batting average versus actual batting average, they've been some of the biggest overachievers on baseball savant this far this season as you've got Geraldo Perdomo, Emmanuel Rivera, Dominic Fletcher, Gabriel Moreno, all hitting north of a 294 this far this season. I think that should be going downward. Lourdes Gurriel entered into yesterday with nine home runs at a 370 on base. I think that that's the mainstay. Like Corbin Carroll, 14 stolen bases, eight home runs, 370 on base. Multi-tool player Christian Walker has cooled down with regards to home runs, but does a solid job at the plate. And I certainly do think that the Diamondbacks should be a favorite, but having Tommy Henry as this demonstrative of a favorite does not rub me the correct way for Delancelement. He's backed up by a relatively okay bullpen, and with the Colorado Rockies, I do think that they're a team that is going to be able to do an okay job of holding down the fort after Lamette leaves this game. So I did set my total more on to 9.8, looking at the under, and at a plus 160 or higher, going to be taking a look at the Colorado Rockies on the money line, 961-962 on the bay board. It is the Detroit Tigers, and they play us to the Walker, Texas Rangers, as Dane Dunning is going to look to get her Dunning. For Texas, and it is good old to be determined for the Detroit Tigers. All signs point to it being Joy Wentz on the mound for this team. If it is someone other than Joy Wentz, I will have this updated on the spreadsheet and all that good jazz. But that said, with Rangers versus Tigers, assuming that this is a pitching matchup, set stunning Dunning as a minus 168 favorite, would be willing to lay up to a minus 110. On that run line, and I did make my total at 8.6, so 8.5 or less, we'll be looking at the over, and 9 or higher, I'd be diving in on the under with Joey Wentz. It just has not been a great year for him in general. North of a 6 ERA, he has been giving out quite a few walks, has been getting hit very hard thus far this season, so I mean, there's just way too much for me to take a look at with him and be able to trust in him at 7.80 ERA. As a matter of fact, for our good friend Joey Wentz, as in the struggles, they're getting more and more rampant. Three-plus runs surrendered in four out of his last five starts, as he has won four innings or fewer in each out of his last three, giving up nine home runs and 42 and two-thirds innings thus far this season. And if you get a bullpen game for the Tigers, that's probably not necessarily a whole heck of a lot better. Meanwhile, for Dane Dunning, he's not getting a lot of strikeouts, as his strikeouts per nine rate is below six, but he has yet to give up a home run this year in 43 innings, giving up just eight runs. He has been tremendous at being able to induce hard contact. He has yet to give up two runs at any start slash long relief appearance that he's made all season long. Now, there is one place where the Detroit Tigers are going to have a massive advantage, and that is in the bullpen. As the Texas Rangers, they have the second-worst bullpen ERA in the big leagues over the last 30 days, posting up a 6.20 bullpen ERA. Jonathan Hernandez has went straight down the toilet bowl. You've been seeing Brock Burke having his issues as well. Jose Leclerc. He's been a little bit up and down all season long as well. And Cole Raggins, he's been posting up north of a 5 ERA. Meanwhile, for the Detroit Tigers, this is a bullpen that is right around league average in terms of their ERA. As we had a pair of guys I really do trust in, and Jason Foley along with Alex Lang. Both of these guys have been tremendous all season long, being able to supply you with a sub-2 ERA. And then Wolf has right around a 3 ERA. Jason Shreve has... Not necessarily been too terrific, but Tyler Holton, he's able to give you multiple innings. He's able to give you two ERA, but for the Tigers, they just don't compare to the Texas Rangers, who are number one in the league in terms of runs per game. And for the Detroit Tigers, they don't have a single guy that's been able to give you 
north of five home runs thus far this season. As the Tigers, they're in the bottom five of the league in terms of batting average runs per game, and they're in the bottom eight in terms of total home runs as the Tigers as a collective entered into yesterday in a 229. Though I will say Riley Green, a north of 335 over the last three days. He has been tremendous for this bunch in the Zacks. Zach McKinstry, Zach Short, have been good for the team, but now it appears as though McKinstry might be dealing with a little bit of an injury, so that's an issue for this bunch. Matt Beerling is dealing with an injury as well, so got a lot of issues on that front. Then when you've got guys like Nick Mayton, Andy Abanya, sitting below the Medellin side of 200, that's an issue. Meanwhile, for the Texas Rangers, just everyone on this team is clubbing the ball right now. As You've got four separate guys in Ezekiel Duran, Travis Jankowski, Corey Seager, Leody Tavares, all at least a 300, all but one of these guys in Duran, at least a 370 on base. Marcus Simeon, a 370 on base. Josh Young has been able to give you 11 bombs with about a 335 on base. Adelise Garcia, 14 home runs. This Texas Rangers lineup just does not take a break. Rangers, not necessarily the world's greatest with their bullpen, which is why I did set this little more on at 8.6, where in 8.5 or less, I'd be looking at the over 9 or higher to the under. But if we do get Wentz versus zoning, set the Rangers where I'd be willing to lay a minus 167 on the money line and would be willing to lay up to a minus 110 laying run and a half on that run line. We need at least a plus 169 to take shot on the Tigers. 963-964 on the betting board. It is the LA Angels on the road face against the Chicago White Sox. As I may bet he is going to be going... For the Angels, and you've got Lance Lynn on the bump for the White Sox. The White Sox are anywhere between minus 130 to a minus 135 favorites, anywhere between plus 115 and plus 125. Here, number on the Angels, 9 to 9.5 is the total. On the 9.5, under is minus 120, and the overs even. On the 9, over is minus 115. The under, that is minus 105, and for the Angels, I was willing to take anything of a plus 113 or greater. I don't think that this game is quite as mispriced as some of the games earlier in the series that I did DK Nation write-ups on, but I mean, but yeah, I mean, it's a small sample size, but this guy has been tremendous. He has pitched 29 innings this far this season, has made just one start, and that one start, he went five scoreless innings against Boston Red Sox, but I mean, the guy has given up five earned runs this far this season in 29 innings. Now, he has given up an additional seven unearned runs because... Well, the schlubs in the field have not necessarily helped him out too much, but he's getting nine strikeouts per nine innings. He's only issuing right around about two and a half walks per nine innings. He has really been good thus far this season, and I may be idea has been an okay star in the past. Never been great, never been terrible, and Lance Lynn has been pretty terrible thus far this season. We were talking about Charlie DeCirco. He's given up well over 1.6 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate is above three. He is getting strikeouts. He's getting north of 10 punch outs per nine innings, but... A 6.21 ERA at home thus far this season, giving up five home runs in his five starts at home. And not like he's backed up by a good bullpen. The Chicago White Sox are one of just two teams with a bullpen ERA that's worth a five thus far this season. And the other one, that'd be the poopy Oakland A's. As they do get Liam Hendricks back in the fold, a very good story in general. Have to feel like it's going to take a few weeks for him to be able to round back into form. Keenan Middleton, Gregory Santos, both of these guys have been actually quite good in the bullpen. They're both giving you an ERA as a 225 or lower. Joe Kelly has had his moments this year, but his ERA is back above four. They get Garrett Crochet in. He's able to give you multiple innings, but Aaron Bummer, Reynaldo Lopez, posting up north of five ERAs. I mean, these guys just have not been terrific in general. And for the LA Angels, I don't think that they're going to be able to maintain this bullpen that entered into Tuesday 8th in the league in terms of bullpen ERA, but still... You got Carlos Aceves along with Matt Bohr. Both of these guys give you a sub two ERAs. Chris Savinsky has been able to do a solid job. Andrew Wants, he's been able to do a pretty solid job as well. So I do like what these guys are able to bring to the table. And then you've got that trio of mashers for this team in Mike Trout, Joey Otani, along with Hunter Renfro, all being able to supply 10 and 12 home runs apiece. 
going into the game yesterday with Trout and Otani both being a bit above a 265, and then just have a lot of guys in general. That they do a good job of moving the line. You don't necessarily have a dead bat in this lineup. Matthias, who's been filling in for the injured Logan O'Hoppy, giving you north of a 350 on base. Mickey Moniak at the top is sitting right around 300, along Gio Rochelle. Zach Neto over the last three days, sitting right around 275. And the White Sox entered into Tuesday's game dead last in the big leagues in terms of on base percentage. They're hitting about a 238 as a collective, which is more around 22nd. It's not great, but it's passable. And and you've got a lot of guys in it between about a 265 to a 270. Tim Anderson, Eloy Jimenez, Andrew Benatendi, Yoan Moncada are all in that fold. None of these guys have north of a 339 on base because there's no discipline with this lineup whatsoever. They are by far the worst team in the big leagues at drawing walks. They really don't steal any bases at all. So there's tons of issues all over the boulevard for this Chicago White Sox team. And I flat out think that they're getting overvalued. Gang, north of a plus 115, I'm going to be willing to take the LA Angels on the money line and when it comes to the total, I did set it at a 9.2. I do think that Badia is going to start to give up a few more runs, and I certainly do think that the struggles for Lance Lynn continue. So, looking at the 9 over, and looking at the Angels on the money line. 965, 966 on the winning board. It is the Cleveland Guardians. They're on the road facing up against the Baltimore Orioles. As Shane Bieber is going to be going for the Guardians, and it is to be determined for Baltimore, which is why this game is off the board. Sounds like Austin both should be getting either bulk innings or a start here. We don't know if they're going to be utilizing an opener or not. For Austin Voth, that is something that you do want to be taking a look at. But as long as we do get Bieber versus Austin Voth, I'd be setting the Guardians at a minus 124 money line with Need North of a plus 140. Take a shot on lane to run an half with them with a total of 7.9. So 7.5 or less, we'll be looking at the over 8 or higher to the under. And I would need at least a plus 125 to take a shot on the Orioles, minus 123 or less on the Cleveland Guardians. I was talking about it with our good friend Charlie DeCircle. The fact that for Shane Bieber, he certainly has been a little bit rough this year. His fielding independent is more around a 403. Meanwhile, ZRA is a 304 and his strikeouts per nine rate. When he won the signing award, it was north of 14, just 6.5 thus far this season, but he is still only giving up about two and a half walks per nine innings, and it's just really hard to put your chips in the basket of Austin Voth as well, as he's got a fielding independent of a 499. This has come out of the bullpen thus far this season, but I mean, still, he hasn't necessarily been too sharp. He is getting about eight and a half strikeouts per nine innings. I do think that it would be interesting to take a look at him based on his role as well, because when it comes to Austin Voth, he was utilized out of the bullpen last year. He was utilized as a starter as well, and you take a look at him throughout his career. He's been far better in the starter's role. 423 ERA is a starter, 569 ERA coming out of the bullpen, and the hard contact that he lost is actually far better when he is a starter rather than when he is coming out of the bullpen as well. So I do think that that is a little bit of significance as an opener. I don't think we'll be doing a lot of good for him, but you do have a pair of the best bullpens they're going to be finding in the big leagues, and that is part of the reason why I did set the Guardians as a favorite, just because I think that even though Bieber is doing for regression, I think that he's better than both. And this is a Guardians bullpen that has been top-notch with their bullpen going into yesterday. Number two in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. You've had James Karinczak be a little bit up and down along the manual class A, but the likes of Enyo De Los Santos, Trevor Steven, Eli Morgan supplying a sub-3 ERA have been terrific, and Nick Sandlin has been able to pick it up as well. Junior Cano, Felix Batista on the flip side for the Orioles. Sub-2 ERA, Danny Columbi has been absolutely terrific. And now they do get Michael Givens off the injured list. That should be able to give them a little bit of something as well, but... 
likes of Brian Baker, Mike Bowman. They've been overall solid this year, but we're starting to see a little bit of regression with them. Now, if you've got trepidation with this Cleveland Guardians team, it's because their offense has been absolutely terrible. Dead last in the big leagues in terms of runs per game. Hitting a 227 as a collective going into yesterday. That's a bottom five mark in the big leagues. And for the Guardians, they're able to overcome like a power. They were second worst in the big leagues in terms of total home runs last season, but you had the likes of Ahmed Rosario, Will Brandon, along with even for like better terms, Stephen Kwan. You're able to throw out there so many guys that running a 270 or greater. All of these guys, aside from Kwan, who's sitting at 262, running a 238 or worse this far this season. Jose Ramirez, 350 on base, but I mean, Jose Ramirez and Josh Naylor are the only guys with north of three home runs this far this season. I mean, this is the last day of May. Not great to say the least. And for the Baltimore Orioles, you do have. Just a well-rounded lineup in general. Not necessarily that one guy that's going to strike fear in you, but Ellie Rushman, Anthony Santander, Cedric Mullins, all eight home runs this far this season. All guys entering into yesterday with at least a 350 on base with Rushman, more like a 400 on base. Ryan Mountcastle may match with 11 home runs. That's a necessary hit for great average, but does a good job moving the line. Cedric Mullins, Ori Mateo combined 28 stolen bases between the two of them. You've got a lot of guys that they do a solid job of just being able to reach base in general. They've got functional power. It's not great. It's not terrible. So this is a spot that if we do get Shane Bieber going up against Austin Voth, I'd be setting the Guardians where I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 123 with them. You at least a plus 25 on the Orioles. And 7 air for less looking at the over 8 or higher to the under. 967-968 on the bank board. The Houston Astros playoffs to the Minnesota Twins. As Louis Varlin goes for the Twins. And you've got Hunter Brown on the bump. For the Astros, and the Astros are favorites between minus 161 to minus 170, between plus 143 and plus 152. On Minnesota, in FZ total, under is minus 120, the overs even, seeing a straight 8 out there on the 8. Over is minus 120, and the under is even, and I set this total at a 7.9. I'm going to be willing to dive in on the under, and for the Twins, needed at least a plus 145 to take a shot on them. We have gotten there. With Louis Varland, he has been giving up a little bit of hard contact, but I like what I've seen out of him by and large. This is someone I think is going to be able to be a reliable piece moving forward for the Minnesota Twins and what has been a great rotation. He does have a fielding independent that is a little bit north of five because he has been giving up two and a half home runs per nine innings, but he gives up fewer than two walks per nine innings. He gets nine strikeouts. Burn nine innings that he's going up against an Astros lineup that has been playing a little bit better recently, but has been up and down all season long. You've seen some rough starts out of the likes of Jose Abreu along with Alex Bregman, both of these guys. And at 235 or lower, Chaz McCormick has not been able to get on base. The catcher spot is pretty much an automatic out. Now, Jose Altuve, since coming off the injured list, is hitting well above a 300. And Jordan Alvarez, nearly a 400 on base, 14 home runs as far this season. Got Jeremy Pena, Alex Bregman providing a combined 14 by themselves. And Kyle Tucker has been able to give you 7, but not a lot of power with regards to Houston Astros. They've really been looking to their bullpen and their pitching to be able to get the job done. And this Astros bullpen, once again, is terrific. Number one in the league in terms of bullpen in last season, thus far this season, entering into Tuesday. Number four in the league as Brian Abreu, Hector Neris, both be able to supply a sub-2 ERA. Phil Maton has been terrific as well. Ryan Presley is picking it up at the closers role. But for the Minnesota Twins, they're ninth in terms of bullpen ERA as after a rough start to the season, Giovanni Morin has been able to give you a sub-250 ERA over the last 35 days. Ori Lopez has been a little bit up and down, but Brock Stewart, Johan Duran, both of these guys, a sub-225 ERA as well. And for the Minnesota Twins, the big fear that you've got with them is that they're just flat out not going to hit us. This team on the road currently has the worst batting average in the big leagues, but to have a pair of guys there, it will give you tank shots. And Joey Gallo along with Byron Buxton. They combined 21 home runs out of these two gentlemen as far as this season now. Just a whole bunch of guys hanging at 230 or lower for the team. Eduardo Julian, 
Buxton, along with Gallo, Carlos Correa has been brutally bad for the team. Christian Vasquez has not been able to move the line as well. But for the Minnesota Twins, I do think that they are going to be able to get a little bit of something going against Hunter Brown. Hunter Brown does have a little bit of an issue with walks. Right around 2.7 to 2.8 walks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate, that's right around 10.5. And, and by and large, I do think that he's been able to do a solid job this year, especially at home with a 286 ERA. Having yet to give up a home run in 22 innings at home thus far this season, but that's a little bit of contact, and I do think that both of these pitchers are going to be able to throw a relatively good job. I said my total is 7.9 as a result, so I'm going to be willing to dive in on this total under, but I'm willing to trust in the Minnesota Twins being able to get this big of a number with Louis Varling, I think, being able to reduce that hard contact. I'm looking at the Twins at a plus 145 greater on the money line, and this total under 969-970 is the DK Nation write-up pick. This is the New York Yankees on the road going up against the Seattle Mariners as George Kirby goes for Seattle. Clark Schmidt is on the bump for the Yankees. 7.5 is the total. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. With the Yankees, you're getting them anywhere between plus 115 and plus 122. Meanwhile, between minus 130 to minus 136 is your number on the Seattle Mariners. I did set the Mariners at a minus 147. I'm going to be willing to trust in them. Clark Schmidt has looked a little bit better recently, giving up Two runs are fewer, actually, in four of his last five starts, so a little bit of credit where credit is due, but right up pick is going to be on the over. Semi total at an 8.8. With the New York Yankees, Aaron Judge coming back in the fold has been absolutely massive for this team, as the New York Yankees have scored the most runs per game of any team in baseball since the return of Aaron Judge going into Tuesday night. They're averaging right around 5.8 runs per game since his return, hitting 38 home runs in their first 20 games with the back of the fold. And, I mean, with the Seattle Mariners, I laid it out with Charlie DeCirco as well. They've been much better with Julio Rodriguez being able to pick it up as well. They batted at 219. The Mariners did with 4.3 runs per game in the month of April, more like 4.8 runs per game with a 241 average here in the month of May. With the Seattle Mariners, certainly you do have few guys that they still need to pick it up a little bit more as the likes of Colton Wong, Sam Haggerty, Taylor Trammell, Tommy LaStella, guys like this, hitting below the middle sign of 200. Not necessarily too terrific, but Jaron Kelnick, double-digit amount of formers, 340 on base has been solid. You've got a young second baseman by the name of Jose Calabreo, who's been able to give you about a 380 on base. J.P. Crawford has been able to move the line. Julio Rodriguez over the last 15 days. He's hitting well above a 300 as well. And then for the New York Yankees, since he's come off the injury list, Aaron Judge, a 440 on base. He's got 17 home runs this far this season. But Anthony Rizzo, 375 on base with 11 home runs. Claybert Torres, he's been able to go deep nine times. He's giving me about a 345 on base. You still have guys towards the bottom of the fold that they do need to pick it up. Anthony Volpe, I just have not been impressed by him. He, Oswaldo Peraza, Oswaldo Cabrera, Isaiah Kinnair, Falefa. These are guys sitting at 220 or lower. And DJ LeMay, who honestly had a 250. Expect a little bit more, but Harrison Maters may move line as well. And for the Yankees, so they are number one in the league in terms of open area. It's been a little bit more up and down for them. Ian Hamilton is currently on the injured list. Michael King, Wandy Peralta may be able to supply a sub-250 ERA, but Jimmy Cordero, Albert Abreu, we've seen the milk go a little bit sour with them. And for the Seattle Mariners, somehow, someway, this continues to be a top-five team in terms of bullpen ERA as far as the season. But they are currently without Andres Munoz, Pam Murphy, a pair of guys that made 60-plus appearances last season. Both were able to supply a sub-3 ERA, and I do think that we're going to see regression with some of these guys like Gabe Spire, Trevor Gott, 
Taylor Saucedo, guys like this that are posting up a sub-3 ERA. I do feel like their fairy tale run is going to be coming a little bit short against a really good New York Yankees team at being able to put bat to ball. And then you do take a look at the starters in George Kirby and Clark Schmidt. With Kirby, I mean, he's amazing at not walking, guys. Less than a walk per nine innings. That's the best mark of qualifying pitchers in the big leagues. He has given up six home runs over the course of his last five starts, so three-plus runs in three out of his last five starts as well. So that's a little bit of a concern with a 476 home ERA and five home runs given up in 28 uh, third innings. Meanwhile, for Clark Schmidt, recognize that he's been a little bit better here in the month of May. Last five starts, more like a 432 ERA, but overall for the season, 558 ERA with a 72070 ERA on the road, giving up three-plus runs in three out of his four starts. Both of these lineups are starting to get hot. My DK Nation write-up pick, that is going to be on the over. And I certainly do think that Kirby is going to be able to outperform Schmidt in this spot as well. So I did set the money line of mine at a minus 147. I'm going to be one lay with Seattle. My write-up pick, that is on the over of 7.5. 971-972 on the betting board. The Chicago Cubs play OC Tampa Bay Rays. Zach Eflin, he looks to not be Eflin awful for the Tampa Bay Rays. Meanwhile, the man of Steel, Justin Steele, is on the bump. For the Chicago Cubs, no total up on this game. That is based on the Wrigley Field win, though. I made my total an 8.6, so an 8.5 or less, I'd be looking at the over 9 or higher to the under. And with the money line of the Rays, that's between minus 128 to a minus 135. Anywhere between plus 115 to plus 120, your number on the Cubs. Currently seeing a straight 9 out there in terms of a total, an initial total, and I'd be willing to take that under and with the Tampa Bay Rays. I did set them on the money line at a minus 128. I'm seeing one straight minus 128 popping up. That would be my absolute max I'd be willing to lay on the race. I'm willing to go up to that minus 128 that I'm seeing out there with Zach Eflin. He has been not necessarily the same pitcher on the road that he has been at home. 219 home area, 529 area on the road. He has been giving up a little bit of hard contact. He is giving up right around 1.3 home runs per nine innings. And with the wind blowing out, that's a little bit of a concern. But he is getting right around nine straight cuts per nine innings. And command has been pretty pinpoint with him. He's giving up about 1.3, 1.4 walks per nine innings. And for Justin Seal, it's not going great for him recently. Three plus runs surrendered in three out of his last four starts. He has given up a combined 11 runs, 10 of which earned over the course of his last three starts. So that has not been too terrific. Now, I will say a lot of Justin Seals' struggles have come on the road. 265 home area compared to a 290 area on the road. He's given up just two home runs in 65 innings. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here with Steele because he's not necessarily some sort of a punch-out artist himself. He's getting about 7.8 strikeouts per nine innings, which isn't bad, but it also isn't terrific. To his credit, he's worked on the walks last season, was giving up 3.8 walks per nine innings, or like 2.2 walks per nine innings as far this season. But for both of these bullpens, they have been pretty terrible. The Tampa Bay Rays, dead last in the big leagues in terms of bullpen area over the last 30 days at a 6.42. Not like the Cubs have been impressive either. 534 ERA in this time span as well as for both of these teams are in the bottom eight in the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. For the Cubs, they are dealing with an injury to Brad Boxberger. Michael Fulmer has been terrible. Jeremiah Estrada, Alante Barelsley have been able to give you some good innings along with Mark Leiter Jr., but that's about it. For Colin Poucher, Jason Adam, they're just getting overworked in this Rays bullpen, but I do think that Zach Eflin being able to get a good start is going to be able to help them out, and for the Rays, I do think there's a little bit of regression coming with this offense, but I mean, you've got Josh Lowe, Yandy Diaz, Randy Rosarena, all guys entering into yesterday with 11 plus home runs, all hitting at least a 295, and Luke Rayleigh, he's been able to give you 10 home runs, about a 350 on base, you've got so many guys like Harold Ramirez, Isaac Paredes, Taylor Walls, Wander Franco, all between about a 345 to a 360 all base on base, all with power. And then for the Chicago Cubs, 
You've had Patrick Wisdom supply 14 home runs this far this season. Really nobody else with north of six other than Christopher Morel, who a nine home runs in 67 at-bats. He's starting to cool off a little bit, but this has been impressive. And for the Chicago Cubs, they're doing a really good job of just being able to find a way on base here in the top three in the National League in terms of both batting average along with on-base percentage as you got someone like an Ian App who's been able to supply right around about a 390 on-base. He, Dansby Swanson, Nico Horner, Cody Bellinger is currently dealing with injuries. C.A. Suzuki, on Gomes, laying between about a 270 to 285. So these guys have certainly done a great job on that front. So I do think they're going to get a little bit of a higher scoring game, but I also do think that both of these starters are going to be relatively solid as well. So if we do get that 9, I'm going to be taking a look at the under semi total at 8.6. And with the Rays, want to lay up to a minus 128 and not a cent more with them. 973, 974 on the betting board. The Oakland A's play OC in line of Rays. says Jared Schuster goes for the Bravos, and it is James Caprillion on the bump for the A's. 9 is the total over his minus 115. The under is minus 105 with Atlanta. Getting them anywhere between minus 212 to a minus 230. Between plus 185 to a plus 195 is your number on the A's. And if you're looking at that run line, it's anywhere between minus 125 to a minus 135 with the Braves. And I was willing to go up to a minus 160 on this run line with the Braves. I recognize that Jared Schuster, not necessarily the world's greatest starter in the big leagues. But you know what? It's a whole heck of a lot better than trotting out there the 845 ERA of James Caprillion, who... His home runs per nine rate this far this season is hovering right in the neighborhood about 1.6. His walks per nine rate is well above five. He's been able to get a few strikeouts, and he's coming off of a not terrible start against the Houston Astros about a week and a half ago, and then he proceeded to get shelled his next time out. It has just been a mess. They have used him in the bullpen. They've used him as a starter. He's got no assigned role, and he's got really no home at this point, as there's going to be about 15 fans in the stands on this game. Meanwhile, for Jared Schuster, 5.33 ERA, less than terrific, but three runs of fear surrendered in each other's last three starts against solid lineups. Against the Texas Rangers, the Philadelphia Phillies, and the Seattle Mariners, feels like he's starting to really be able to pick it up. Now, walks are an issue. He's given up north of five walks per nine innings. His strikeouts per nine rate that's hovering right in the neighborhood about seven and a half. But, I mean, this is a spot where he's going up against the Oakland Triple A's, and he's been able to do a good job of being able to induce some soft contact with the Atlanta Braves. It's a leg average bullpen. It's not great. It's not terrible. It's been hovering right around like 14th to 16th all season long in terms of ERAs. Jesse Chavez has been able to supply a sub-2 ERA. And Danny Young has been really good in the bullpen when they've given him innings as well. Kirby Yates has actually been very good recently as well. Got off to a little bit of a rough start to the season. But he, over the last three days, has been able to give you about a 250 ERA as well. It's been Rossi Iglesias, who's been trying to work his way back from injury. He's looking a little bit better right now, but A.J. Minter, Lucas Lukey, these guys have been awful. But you know what's really awful? The Oakland A's and their right around 650 bullpen ERA. It's really a point and a half higher than any other team in the big leagues, and this team just can't hit at home. Now, you do want to be mindful that this is going to be a day game in Oakland, so Marine Layer is not going to be out. a little bit more of a hitter's environment, but still. With the Oakland A's, they're earning a 2-11 as a collective going into Tuesday night. You've had Brent Rooker do a solid job with 11 home runs, about a 365 on base. Shea Langolaires has been able to supply a little bit of boom as well. Seven home runs for him thus far this season, but you've got so many guys hitting below a buck 80 at home. I mean, forget the Mendoza line. You've got Carlos Perez, Seth Brown, Kevin Smith, Jace Peterson, Tony Kemp, Ella Mendes Diaz. I mean, all these guys... Hitting below a buck 80 aside from Diaz is hitting a 212 
at home thus far this season. You've got a Sergio Ruiz, who's been amazing. He's been able to lead the league in stolen bases. He's been able to give you a batting average over right around 275, but now you have to go up against the Atlanta Braves that they've just got the boom squad. Matt Olson entering into yesterday, 17 home runs. On-base percentage that's hovering right around at 360. You've got Ronald Acuna Jr. along with Sean Murphy, the former Oakland A, with north of a four-arm base entering into yesterday, both with 11 home runs. Marcel Zuna's picked it up. He's got 11 home runs. He's been hitting much better in recent days. Austin Riley has been able to find it as well over the last 15 days. He's been able to give the team right around about a 340 average with four home runs. You just have too much firepower with this Atlanta Braves team. Semi total 9.2. Looking at the over and with the Atlanta Braves, as long as you don't get north of a minus 160, I'm going to lay this run line. 975, 976 on the betting board. The Milwaukee Brewers at the road face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Alec Manoa goes for the Jays. Julio Taran is on the bump for the Brewers. And the Brewers, they are underdogs. They would be a plus 155 and a plus 167. Meanwhile, with the Toronto Blue Jays, saying we're doing minus 180 and minus 184 on them with a 9.5 total. The over and the under are anywhere between even minus 120. And I did something at 9.1. The Toronto Blue Jays have actually been a very, very good under team at home thus far this season. With the ball north of 60% of their games at home going under. And the reason why... The Toronto Blue Jays have actually been really good with their pitching at home. They changed up the dimensions in their ballpark, and right now as a collective, they've got a 320 home ERA. I believe that that is still the best mark currently in the American League, and I did set Manoa as a minus 176 favorite on the money line. If you're taking a look at the run line, you're able to get this more roundabout even money to a minus 110, and I mean, if you do get to more around a minus 105 on this Brewers run line, which I think you might be able to, I'd be willing to take a shot there. I really don't want to be taking a shot on this Toronto Blue Jays team with Alec Manoa, though. Just pitching the way that he is right now with Alec Manoa, it's a 553 ERA. We were talking about this with Charlie DeCirco. The fact that for Alec Manoa, he just... It feels like he's out of shape. I wish I could put it any other way, but he's just gotten fat. 723 ERA at home, giving up six home runs at 23 and two-thirds innings. He is the only person on the Toronto Blue Jays that has not pitched well at home thus far this season. Now, for the Blue Jays, it's about a league-average bullpen. Amy Garcia, Anthony Bass, they have a terrible. You've had Jordan Romano be a little bit up and down, but Tim Mesa, Eric Swanson, they're supplying a sub-three ERA. You get Adam Simber back to the fold to be able to fortify things as well for the Milwaukee Brewers. It's been a bullpen that has been rough in their own right over the last three days. This Milwaukee Brewers bullpen, 27th in the league with a 5.44 ERA. You do have a guy that I like, Devin Williams, but you have to be able to get the ball to him. And when it comes to the starter and our good friend Julio Taran, he had been out of the big leagues for quite a while, but honestly did not look bad in his first start against the San Francisco Giants. A Giants team that has played really well. He went five innings, gave up one run, punched out five. His command was not too bad at the AAA level with... I believe it was El Paso. He was able to give some relatively okay innings. The swing and miss stuff is there. Now with Julio Tehran, it could go straight down the toilet bowl at any time. And he's backed up by a Milwaukee Brewers team that's currently dead last in the National League in terms of runs per game. Has got a Milwaukee Brewers team that it feels like everyone's providing you with between about a 330 to a 350 on base. Oh, Miller's the lone exception. 330 batting average, 370 on base. He's been terrific. But Darren Ruff, William Contreras, Brian Anderson, Christian Yelich, Rowdy Tellez are on that full. Tellez has been able to give you 12 home runs. And for the Brewers, one of the top home run teams 
in the National League thus far this season, but they're dealing with that injury to Willie Adamas as well. So a little bit of an interesting spot. If we can get to more roundabout at minus 105, I'm willing to take a run and F with the Milwaukee Brewers. I would need a plus price of a plus 108 or greater to take a look at the Toronto Blue Jays run line and I would need at least a plus 175 to back the Brewers on the money line. So currently Wayne C mode there. I think when it's all said and done, I'm going to be taking a run and F with the Milwaukee Brewers. And when it comes to Soto, I by total 9.1, banking on Julio Turan, giving an okay start, and Alec Manoa being able to maybe not be as bad as he's been towards the beginning part of the season. So looking at the under, and in all likelihood, a Brewers run line. And we have things up to 977, 978 on the betting board. It is the Cincinnati Reds, and they hit the road face off against the Boston Red Sox. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they are on to Luke Weaver getting the start for them, and James Paxson is on the bump for Boston. 10 is the total. The over is anywhere between minus 105 to minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 115. I am seeing a straight 9.5 out there. Over is minus 120. The under is even, and with Boston. Find them anywhere between minus 178 to minus 195 favorites. Anywhere between plus 155 and plus 166 is your number on the Reds. And with the Reds needed at least a plus 178 to be able to back them. If you're looking at this run line of the Red Sox, find that between even money and minus 105. I'm willing to lay up to a minus 102. So at even money, I'm willing to buy in on this Red Sox run line. You've got James Paxson who's been I mean, a little bit up and down. First two starts against the Padres and the St. Louis Cardinals were solid. Got destroyed against the LA Angels. So and he's given up eight runs in 14 innings and I believe that this is his 11th start since the beginning of the 2020 season so he's looking to just work his way back into shape which means that you should be seeing quite a bit of action of this Boston Red Sox bullpen that the raw ERA for the season is not bad they entered into yesterday 10th of the league but the XFIP it's more around 25th in the league there's big time regression coming for this team especially John Schreiber currently on the injured list you're looking at guys like Ryan Sheriff Yoli Rodriguez Justin Garza coming out of the bullpen. And then if you get past those slubs, you get Kenley Jansen, who always lights games on fire. They've sent Nick Pavetta to the bullpen. That's an experiment that I'm curious to see what that yields. And well, he says, hey, Reds are actually eighth in the league in terms of bullpen here. Yeah, Fernando Cruz back to fold. He and Alexis Diaz have been incredible as for both of these guys, they had sub-2 ERAs last season for Cruz. It's been a little bit of a rough COVID thus far this season, but I think that he's going to be able to work his way back into form. Ian Gabo, Buck Farmer have actually been very good for this bullpen as well. Both of these guys have been able to combine for about a 335-ish ERA. For Luke Weaver, he has been able to round into form a little bit more as he has given up a combined five runs over the course of his last three starts. He does have his tendencies to just go a little bit off the rails, though, in terms of giving up hard contact, as he's giving up well above two home runs per nine innings, which a little bit of it is bad luck. A little bit is that his command is not bad in terms of giving out walks, as his walks per nine rate is about two and a half, but he just misses right down the middle, and it gets hit really hard. He doesn't have necessarily the world's greatest stuff. And for the Cincinnati Reds, you just don't have a lot of power in this lineup. They are in the bottom six in the big leagues in terms of total home runs. You've only got one guy with north of five home runs thus far this season. It's Spencer Steer, as he's been able to supply seven now. He's a part of a lineup that does a good job of being able to get on base, as he, Jonathan India, Kevin Newman, are all above 275 with he and India, both providing north of a 350 on base. Jake Fraley has been able to give you about a 340 on base. They're dealing with an injury to TJ Friedel, but he's been solid at being able to get on base, and I think that he should be back in the lineup now as he's been dealing with a few injuries, but Tyler Stevenson is able to give you a 340 on base as well, and then for the Boston Red Sox, they've been overachieving a little bit according to their expected numbers, but they have been amazing at the plate, and this team just hits much better at home rather than on the road. About six runs per game at home, more like 4.3 runs per game on the road, and hitting about 40 points better when they're at home as well as 
You've got just a lot of guys in Justin Turner, Masataka Yoshida, Rob Rebsnyder, along with Alex Verdugo, providing at least a 355 on base. You've had Ramiel Tapia do a solid job over the line, hitting about a 260. Pablo Reyes is hitting at 275. And then you got your main boom guy in, Rafael Devers, being able to give you 13 home runs as well. So I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a higher scoring affair. Set my total at a 9.9. 10 is just that number where I think it's went a little bit too far. So looking at a 10 under. And when it comes to Boston, we're going to take them at even money on the run line. And that will wrap things up for the Wednesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Visa Family Podcast. A big thanks to Charlie DeCirco. He does amazing work at Action Network. He joined me in the last segment. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at jaden underscore e1. Keep in mind, letters here. They mean does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you are able to fire on whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. I'm coming at you guys every single day on this podcast throughout the baseball season, which means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.